0: Thank <laughs> you. it's time to talk about the UFC again. Welcome to episode two of the Dome, the only show dedicated to the finer points of taking healthy shit. I'm your host, Iggy, and I'm here as always to talk about things that annoy me. Starting with a bit of news, Conor McGregor is uh, having another Twitter meltdown. This time in the aftermath of uh, uh, his upcoming fight with Manny Pacquiao being announced. Uh, And apparently Pac-Man is uh, up to his ears in debt. And so, of course, he looked at Conor McGregor and just kind of of thought, yeah, I'd like some free money. Yeah, why not? Which was quickly followed up with Conor McGregor boasting about the imaginary strength of his schedule, as uh, Phil McKenzie has put it. There's no one Connor won't almost fight. (laughs) And of course there was some uh, typical stuff, typical Ali Abdelaziz stuff, where he would log in into one of uh, uh, 500 accounts he's got on his phone and in in his Batcave-esque lair with a wall of monitors. Tracking all the social media pages he's logged, he's-, he's currently logged in. All the social media pages where he's currently logged in. And uh, it kind of takes a reading and gives a beep whenever there's someone talking shit about him. Or tangentially saying something that uh, relates to him in any way, shape or form. And that means it's time to send preemptive death threats and call someone a jealous bitch. There's some weird talks about a charity match, a charity exhibition match being uh, supposedly in talks... uh, A charity match Connor is supposedly in talks about uh, with uh, Dustin Poirier, but uh, that's never going to happen. And also, I'm never going to watch it, even if it does happen, because I don't give a shit. I'd like for Dustin to make uh, some actual bang for once, but... uh, I'd vastly prefer it if it happened in in an actual fight against an actual competitor and not a a, a retired semi-professional boxer whose next fight at this rate is apparently going to be against uh, the family court of the Republic of Ireland. (laughs) Conor McGregor versus his wife for the custody of his children. Coming next year. Stay tuned for more news. But that's all your typical... MMA buzz, uh, your typical MMA infosphere buzz, that uh, carries no weight and uh, implies nothing of note or interest. The real story this week was, of course, Israel Adesanya defending his belt against uh, Paulo Costa in a very comprehensive fashion, prompting every single idiot on Twitter to proclaim that there's indeed levels to this shit. Now I'm sure the TFS uh, MMA podcast will come out soon with a post fight breakdown where they will talk about the mentality that goes into picking fights and the mentality that goes into analyzing fights and what you should take uh, take note of and what you shouldn't and that there's a difference between picking an outcome and picking and uh, and having an actual read on the fight and knowing what's going to happen in there and kind of giving a detailed prognosis of how the fight will go. Needless to say these two are a bit different. But that's not going to discourage uh, the the big brain intellectuals of uh the MMA social media. Then of course there was there was some controversy involved regarding uh Adesanya's post fight antics, brought about of course by Paulo Costa's very weird angle that he picked in order to promote this fight. An angle that mostly stems from his inherent homophobia and uh, misogyny. Never a day goes by without those two being mentioned in MMA news. But yeah, Israel Adesanya absolutely punked Costa, and uh, to nail the po- point home, so to speak, <laughs> he dry humped Costa right after the fight, right as he was uh, struggling to get up and uh, still out of it after being knocked out with a, a beautiful 2-3 combination. One that closely resembled the way Adesanya knocked out Robert Whittaker. And of course, as always, this has brought up uh, the crowd that goes on and on about respect and martial arts, honor and martial arts, and just the hand-wringing, moralizing crowd of MMA fans that are willing to overlook Colby Covington saying downright racist things, but whenever whenever a person of color acts slightly boastful, particularly uh, black people act slightly boastful, or mention equality or social justice or things like that, everyone just loses their minds and goes on and on about sticking to the sport, sticking to sports, sticking to fighting, and not opening their mouth ever. And I presume these are the same people who would uh, say that Mohammed Ali actually had class unlike Israel Adesanya, etc, etc, etc. There's no need to be so spiteful. And to this I'd say that these people, the majority of them, or at least the white majority of them, have never experienced anyone saying that they should stick to something they do and never open their mouth ever again. In this particular case, black success. But yeah, thankfully I'm here to tell them to shut the fuck up. You're the one supporting this whole racket. You're the one supporting an organization that pays 18% to their fighters and then have the goal to tell them that they're entitled and just... they just need to get better in order to get more money. Why do you think Conor McGregor has become... For all my fault with Conor McGregor, I don't fault him for trying to pursue more money. Neither do I fault Dustin Poirier for trying to pursue more money. Remember how everyone jumped down Habib's neck for starting a brawl after he finished uh, Conor McGregor, but said nothing and mentioned nothing about the remarks that Conor McGregor has been uh, making in the build-up to this fight over and over again? Yeah, guess what? It goes both ways. If I sound a bit cranky, that's because I am, and that's because I just just woke up, and I haven't got much uh, quality sleep. So maybe I should apologize for that for making it a bit of an unpleasant listen but I'm not really in the mood to do that so tough shit I suppose this sort of uh, this whole thing sort of reminded me of uh, several speeches that uh, Israel Adesanya made uh one regarding one uh, was a an acceptance speech after he received the uh the award for Uh, Outstanding Athletic Achievement, the New Zealand Award for Outstanding Athletic Achievement. And he's been talking about... Yeah, a lot of it was uh, mostly uh, congratulating uh, his coaches and uh, giving thanks to his coaches and his team, talking about uh, his gratitude to all the combat sports athletes that uh, have been fighting on the world stage uh, during the history of New Zealand. But there was a particular tidbit that caught my... Eye. and it was, uh, and he talked about the tall poppy syndrome that permeates sports and combat sports in particular, namely the all the stay humble bullshit that uh, just, uh, which is something that gets brought up essentially every single time a certain combat sports athlete uh, achieves success. And he talked about that it made people feel inadequate. It makes... Whenever a combat sports athlete achieves a certain amount of success on the world stage, becomes a world champion, whatever, becomes a prominent athlete, becomes a household name in terms of being everywhere on the telly, on the broadcast, everywhere, people start wanting to bring him down. And that was a bit before the whole... Uh, black lives matter movement uh, the particularly the uprisings in the us and uh, i've always felt that w- there was this uh tidbit that was that went left uh, unsaid because at the end of the speech Istra oldesanya went into uh, kind of cheekily congratulating himself for being so amazing and i feel that what was left unsaid was uh not only do combat sports athletes and athletes in general uh, succeeding makes people feel inadequate, it goes double, doubly so if uh, the said combat sports athlete is a person of color. And of course, after right after the uprisings uh, have started, the protests have started. Uh, Israel Desanya went on to appear on one of such protests and talk about. All the little things that he had to experience as a black man in a predominantly white country. One of those was that he, whenever he goes to the supermarket, he has to keep his hands behind his back so that the security guards and no one else would uh, assume that he's stealing something. That he's there to steal something because he's black and he's poor and he's a ruffian, so naturally he, he can't afford his own food. Or whenever he stands inside an elevator, and he's had an experience uh, that repeated three times. Whenever he stood inside the, in the elevator, uh, a white woman came in and the doors opened. The doors opened and a white woman came in and she jumped every time she saw him. I don't know if it was the same white woman or if it were different white women, it doesn't matter. They saw a black man standing inside an elevator, an elevator to their to their apartment, and they jumped out of fear. Because the signs of a black man or a person of a different race makes them feel queasy. Jack Slack once said that uh, in order to be a combat sports fan... Uh, no. If you want to be a combat sports fan while being racist, it's uh, a bit of a tall task, you know. I disagree. I disagree slightly. You know how people always talk about uh, separating the fighter from the person? Oh, well, that's very easy for many an MMA fan or a combat sports fan to do that, to do exactly that. To them, an amazing, uh, say, black athlete is uh, basically a hunk of meat that's been blessed by, that's been unfairly blessed with, this, with all these natural athletic advantages simply because he's black. Which is, of course, bullshit, because the reason why people of color gravitate to combat sports and to sports in general is because that's simply one of the more efficient ways of achieving social mobility. Because, like, we've seen all these studies coming out debunking the myth that various races possess some sort of a natural advantage over others. Particularly the racist studies that uh, try to prove that uh, in fact, black people, are, on average, possess a lower IQ and higher athletic potential, while with white people it's the opposite. Which was, I suppose, cooked up in order to make all those white people stop... from stop... Uh, the All those studies were cooked up in order to help white people stop feeling inadequate. Like, yeah, that black guy sure is strong, but at least I'm smarter. So, yeah, all these people who are... All about separating the fighter from the from the person just f- full of shit in my opinion if you want to separate the fighter from the person, what you do is you enjoy the fighter's skill set you enjoy watching them fight but then if they commit something unsavory or commit something downright heinous what you do you, what do these people do if they're a fan of that fighter because of his skill set most of them will go on social media and defend them. Oh, he comes from an underprivileged background. Oh, he comes from that part of the world. Oh, he did not have access to quality education. And while up to a certain point, all these points may be taken into account in order to judge a person correctly, it's still not separating the fighter from the person. And, like, you get all these posts on social media where uh, a fan would post a picture of a fighter or an athlete in in... the company of uh, someone unsavory, of a shady individual, and they would go, oh, bet she would, would defend this guy while condemning that guy over there. Well, no. I'd say he's a piece of shit, because I know how to actually separate the fighter from the person. I can admit Manny Pacquiao is an amazing athlete, one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest fighters of all time I have ever seen. But during his time in the Congress, uh, in the Congress of the Philippines, And just in the spotlight, he's been saying some downright ignorant, bigoted, hateful things about gay people. And he's been an open supporter of President Duarte. A downright bloodthirsty, insane person that's been thoroughly corrupted by power. And I'd assume has been corrupted since the beginning. He's a corrupt person to to his very core. Yeah I've mentioned that uh, combat sports have been a historically shady endeavor in the in, in the very first episode of this show. Yes I admit that uh, in order to enjoy combat sports you kind of sort of have to stretch stretch uh combat sports inherently require you to sort of stretch the boundaries of what you deem acceptable because uh, what what you're doing is enjoying people Commit violence against one another. But conversely, it doesn't ask you to stretch your boundaries when it comes to human morality. I may sound judgmental. And it's fine if you turn this off and and just go, Man, what a preachy asshole. I totally understand that. For many, combat sports is an outlet. It's a form of escapism to just move away from all the daily routine. From the news. From the daily bullshit that's uh, going on and on and on, and it just it it's like all this stuff is simply designed to put you down. It's designed to make you feel depressed. But that's the zeitgeist of uh, the whole thing, isn't it? People have been using media as a form of running away from reality. And in this case, reality is that women are still being put down, they are still con- considered inferior to men, various other races, all races except white people, are considered to be either less culturally important in the history of the world, or simply subhuman. And when finally, when people decide to use the spotlight, to use the public scrutiny they're under, in order to speak about these issues, to bring them to light, to stop people from hiding their, their heads into the sand, prevent them from sticking their heads in the sand, and to going, la-la-la-la-la-la-la, this is, this is bullshit, this, that's not happening, it's not reality, it's not real. People are bound to get mad. And I accept that. And also, I have no sympathy for that. Coming back to Izzy's post-fight antics, when you think about it, I took a glance at the most of the replies, uh, at a lot of the replies that were that I stumbled upon, and guess what? All these accounts clamoring for easy to be punished or to be publicly condemned for the for his uh, odious personality and what he's been doing after the fight uh, for uh, i've seen a person call easy dry humping uh, uh, polar Costa after the fight borderline sexual assault like i just kind of decided to scroll through the accounts that that, that have been uh, leaving these messages that have been leaving these replies and guess what about ninety percent of them were white do you think people would condemn uh, Paulo Costa the same way if it's the one he if it's if he's been the one to do this somehow I doubt that I know many will uh, object I know many will say that no I just uh, I think that sports should be about respect I think uh, this is, should this should be banned from all sports this is unacceptable uh Regardless of uh, whoever else does that. And I know that these people may feel like they're being sincere. And I know that they think that they're right. And I know that they think uh, they're being truthful with themselves and others. But I somehow doubt that. You know, I just have this nagging doubt. Because when Colby Covington goes after Tyron Woodley and calls... uh, the Black Lives Matter protesters, a bunch of terrorists and subhuman morons. Calls them evil. Says that Tyrant Woodley stands for every, everything that, uh, to me, is evil. And then goes on to tell Usman to his face that uh, he's, an, he's just a fake and nothing. And says that he's been getting smoke signals from his tribe or something. Now it's a gimmick. Now Kobe is just simply being smart in order to generate bank. But when Adesanya responds to Paul Acosta's homophobic remarks, when remarks about Izzy being uh, a weak feminine creature, then it's classless. Just think about this. Imagine being so privileged. Imagine being so coddled by society. Imagine being so enabled by your, by your society that... And uh, not only that, having never experienced any hardship in your life, just being this milkky toast, being so milkwe toast so 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 sheltered during your whole life that you equate someone clowning around after the fight with something women across the world experienced experienced and have experienced in in like a fifty times more horrific form and experiencing this every day of their lives from from, from from essentially from birth simply because of who they are. These aren't the real issues we're dealing with here. This is just an illustrative example. Of uh, the entire thing, essentially, keep sports out of politics, keep politics out of sports. Yeah, more like keep politics I disagree with out of sports. And all the comments under Izzy's uh, tweets about representing Nigeria and representing his people, uh, talking uh, videos where he talks in his native language, going like, "Hey." You're a New Zealander, speak English, you're a New Zealander, why, how come you, you're not coming out under the New Zealand flag, despite the fact that he actually does, and, uh, like, you're a fake Nigerian, same, same goes for Kamaru Usman, you're a Marty from Nebraska, Kamaru Usman is not your name, all this, kind of, and, there's been uh, a newspaper article, uh, local uh, an, an article in a local newspaper that talked about a performance artist from uh, Buretia uh, a performance artist by the name of uh, Natalia Papayeva, and despite uh, her name being uh, one of the most Russian names you, you could ever get she's a uh, full-blooded uh, Boret mongolian She currently lives in the Netherlands and uh, she talked about an exper- the experience of being uh, Buryat in uh, in the modern world. Uh, by modern world, I mean uh, Buryatia being essentially colon- uh, being essentially a colony of the Russian Federation. And there's been something that she said that uh, very strongly resonated with me. Uh, I don't know if it's a direct quote or if I'm paraphrasing here, but. Uh, what she's, what she's... She's made several statements that uh, essentially boil down to in order to be Buret, you have to leave Buretia. And that's what she did when she immigrated to the Netherlands. Because, uh, to give you an example of what life is like here, uh, recently there's been a bit of a controversy, uh, last week in fact, or maybe, maybe it's even more recent, a woman, a young woman decided to show, uh, decided to show her Japanese uh, friend that's, uh, that decided to visit Boretia in order to either study or just simply out of interest. She decided to show him the nightlife, what the nightlife is like in, uh, in Ulanode. She decided to take him to one of the premier nightclubs uh, uh, in the city center. She wore the gull. The girl is a national uh, form of uh, clothing. It's a national form of clothing that... uh, uh, It's a uh, uh, coat that uh, Mongolians traditionally wear. And underneath she had your normal, quote-unquote, normal European clothing. Guess what? The face control lady denied her entrance and refused to explain why she did so. So, naturally, social media erupted. Uh, Local social media erupted with uh, outrage. And uh, the response from the owner of the club, who is uh, also a full-blooded Buryat, was essentially, let's not rock the boats, shall we? Face control is an accepted uh, practice all across the world. And uh, basically, these people talking about nationalism and racism are simply... Simply out of their minds. Our our republic is a multicultural paradise where nothing bad ever happens. There's no racial tension, and the story is most likely fake. And that was final. Nothing was ever addressed. The the, the face control lady wasn't reprimanded in any way, and the guest from another country that greatly values its own cultural roots was shocked. He was left speechless because he could not imagine being rejected f- from entering and being denied entry to a nightclub simply because he wore a kimono. Now, that is within our own republic. A Buryat has been denied entry to a nightclub in Buriatia for wearing a Buryat coat. Now, take into account the history of Nigeria. It's been under colonial It's it's been under British colonial rule for the longest time. Buretia has been under Russian colonial rule for 300 years now. Nigeria has been under British colonial rule for 160 years. Now think about what that does to the national consciousness. To the point where your own people start feeling insecure about being who they are. And given that Nigeria has been permeated with history of corruption, religious persecution. It's a history fraught with violence. Do you think you'd want to stay there? You personally, like, uh, I'm addressing uh, the relatively well-off listeners uh, that currently live in uh, democratic countries with, uh, with working democracy. Well, relatively working democracy at least. Do you think pursuing a better life in another country is something that's inherently evil. Or immigrating to some other country in order to finally feel in order to finally feel free to express yourself for who you are. This is something that resonates with me on a personal level, on a deep, personal, soul-quaking level. So push comes to to shove. I I take Adesanya's side nine times out of ten. Fuck it. I will take his side every time. Why? Because... Adesanya resonates. What Adesanya does resonates with me on a personal level, because of my own experience like that. Because of my own experiences growing up, uh, in a place that is ostensibly my home, in a place where speaking your own language is frowned upon because it makes you look like a country bumpkin. So, if I somehow found myself under the same amount of public scrutiny in a position of notoriety, bet your ass I'd be twerking into people's faces every chance I fucking get. Athletes and people in general are driven by many things, and in this case, Izzy is driven by spite. And this spite lets him win and grow, and I understand spite extremely well. It's why I haven't offed myself yet, and why I'm still driven to succeed and lead a long, happy life. Because what better, sweeter form of revenge is there? Rather than rubbing your success into the faces of people who'd rather see you trampled purely because of who you are. Purely of things that you have no control over. Purely of things that you were born with. Things like gender, skin color. People may object to Muhammad Ali comparisons, but do you remember why people hated him? I'm not even talking about resume. I don't, I'm not talking about athletic achievements. I'm talking about what he did when he was under public scrutiny. He rubbed the fact that he's a successful black man into the people's faces. And it made them mad. Now, I'm not saying that uh, all people dislike Adesanya simply because he's black. I know many people that uh, dislike him for his uh, quote-unquote cringy personality and the memes that he puts out. And uh, recently, A friend of mine told me that he dislikes Adesanya simply because he reminds... uh, Adesanya reminds him of himself uh, five years earlier, when he was five years younger. And he... it kind of brings up uh, unpleasant memories regarding uh, feelings of spite. And I can understand that. And I don't blame him. You are entitled to feel however you want about the various people in your life. But sometimes there has to be some mindfulness involved. Especially if said person's experiences differ drastically from yours. And now Paul Costa is coming out with uh, more homophobic remarks about Adesanya. That he's going to, uh, is going to fuck him up in the rematch. That uh, what he did was unacceptable. And he feels... Essentially he feels emasculated. That's why he does that. That's why he's uh, unable to accept defeat uh despite the fact that his, he came in with a absolutely brain dead game plan did nothing of note and essentially looked like a scrub because of that i mean that speaks volumes about the person like uh yeah i understand feeling frustrated after you've got knocked out and uh, dismantled in a comprehensive in such a comprehensive fashion but what what he is particularly mad about is being is about being dry humped, and his fans are so mad about this as well, and they're so mad about the uh, right tit because uh, to them it's evidence of the uh, Sonya uh, being on the juice. I mean, pot cattle much? <laughs> well, since I love making historical comparisons, let's. Uh, Rewind the clock a little bit. Remember uh, Roberto Duran. Remember the antics that he uh, has been pulling when uh, he was about to fight Sugar Ray Robinson. The so-called psychological warfare. Remember what he did. He would continue making openly sexual gestures towards his wife and tell him, and keep telling him that he first he's going to fuck him in the in the ring and then he's going to fuck his wife in his bedroom. And I mean, that's the thing with uh, MMA fans in particular, isn't it? That uh, they, are, as a rule, MMA fans aren't particularly well-learned when it comes to uh, the history of combat sports, uh, and particularly, especially to the history of other combat sports. Do you think he went too far there, considering that's the greatest lightweight of all time in boxing doing that? And uh, one of the greatest pound-for-pound pound fighters ever in any combat sports doing that? Just Something for you to chew on. To pull a quote from Adesanya's speech, uh, from Adesanya's acceptance speech, understand this MMA isn't about honor or martial arts or respect or staying humble or whatever the fuck you've read in some the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu instructional or karate instructional when you were eight. Even other karatekas would agree with me. MMA is prize fighting. Combat sports are prize fighting. There's money involved. You may ascribe whatever meaning you want to the word combat sports. You may ascribe any. You may derive any meaning you want from combat sports. But when it boils down to it, it's two men beating the shit out of each other for money. Understand that. If it comes off like me, just being a fanboy for Adesanya, uh, all power to you, you may think whatever you want about me. And maybe in some uh, respects you'd be right because I am a fan of him. I am a fan of him because he represents what is important to me. And isn't that why we watch combat sports in the first place? Hmm? Like beyond what I've just said about people beating the shit out of each other, people fighting, people uh, smacking each other around for money. What do you think ...makes people gravitate to combat sports. First of all... ...whenever they're marketed... ...whenever they're promoted... ...whenever there's a big fight... uh, ...that's coming up. Combat sports is about narratives and stories. The biggest fights... ...in the history of combat sports... ...have been about narratives and stories. To bring back... ...Rumble in the Jungle. The... ...the thriller in Manila. Oh, fuck... Even even the fucking even the fucking Conor vs. Habib fight, people took the promotion as unbridled truth and let it dictate their impulses. This is the power narratives and stories have over people. And while a lot of the time combat sports make for a nice, interesting, compelling, dramatic story, there are also real issues at their core real people using the fuck out of each other for money these people have views these people have histories these people have varying, varying personalities these people feel differently about other fighters and themselves to them combat sports represent a multitude of various different things I mean, it may not seem like it, but I actually really like MMA, uh, mostly for all the reasons I've just described. And uh, I'm going to read the outro to one of my articles that I've written about the topic. Uh, It's called The UFC's Meatpacking Plant Part 2. There's nothing in the world like combat sports. Studying other people's careers so intently, you can't help but develop a very specific brand of empathy that lets you come closer to truly understand what it means to be human You have to skirt the line between putting yourself into the fighter's shoes and remaining aware that you'll probably never attain even a sliver of your favorite fighter's physical and mental strength You need to be critical without becoming presumptuous Being a dedicated fight fan means vicariously living through fighters living through the whole gamut of emotional highs and lows by watching two people push each other to the limit of what the human body and the human spirit can take. The emotions and experiences that permeate combat sports can run the whole gamut from the most discouraging to the most inspiring, and combat sports as a whole can be considered a microcosm of the human condition. I feel that translates very well into becoming an understanding and empathetic person, one that can imagine themselves experiencing all sorts of things without becoming judgmental. I think becoming this particular brand of fight fan has been hugely beneficial for who I am as a person. Combat sports have turned me into a better human. And so the empathy that I have developed over the years of watching fights and studying the history of the fight game and the lives of legends whose achievements still echo in the arenas Stadiums, gyms, and backyards where they had their first scuffle. This empathy will not allow me to ignore the often ugly, filthy, corrupt underbelly of combat sport. The way fighters are often swindled out of the, out of their fortune earned through actual blood, sweat, and tears. The way fight promoters and fight promotions keep dragging fighters who should have retired ages ago back into the ring, to get their brains scrambled by some new upstart who's going to be used and abused in the exact same way if they don't mire their P's and Q's all the way through. The way it's considered to be part of the game, both by its fans and fighters alike. It's common knowledge that the fight game is a cruel game. It's an unforgiving game. But it doesn't have to be a dirty game. In the end, people become fans because they care. What they care about is none of my business. And this is what I care about. Like many of you, I've turned my attention to combat sports because I wanted to find some entertainment. And combat sports can be a very entertaining thing. But what I also care about is justice. Because it's been denied to me for so long. And it's going to be continued denied to me if I don't if I don't either leave this place or fight for change and the latter is continuing to be it's continuing to feel more and more hopeless so if I'm going to have if I'm going to achieve at least a sliver of justice and uh, a form of entertainment that I like then that's one more small good. Then that's one more small good thing that I, I've managed to achieve in, uh, in my life, and uh, hide it in the backyard of my memories. The Majority of them very bad. And it's going to distract me from all the other garbage that's lying around in there by drawing my eye, uh, drawing my eyes to the to the tree that uh, sprung out from the seeds that I may have planted Hope is of course slim I'm simply a guy with a phone that's recording runs that uh, not many people would listen to or would want to listen to but really I sort of don't care because the real answer to the question of uh, why bother if it's so hopeless is uh, yes and who cares? If nothing is true and everything is hopeless, then who gives a shit if you try? Who gives a shit if you try regardless? Doing everything right, trying your damnedest and still losing is much better than doing nothing and still losing. You've been listening to the second episode of the Tenkri Dome on the Fightside Channel. Thank you for your time. Stay tuned, and until next time, deshend ozatra BRT.